It was a little afternoon on Friday the 25th of January 2019. Natalia Andrade sat down to lunch with hundreds of her co-workers at the canteen of Vali's Correco de Fajal iron ore mine, nine kilometres northeast of the town of Brumadinho in the state of Minas Gerais, Brazil. A loud crack shot through the air. In less than 10 seconds, the slope of Tanning's Dam B1 at the mine collapsed. In less than five minutes, 9.7 million cubic metres of ground-up rock had flowed out of the dam. The rock, as solid, behaved like a liquid and flowed downstream at high speed. The mud flow rapidly travelled through the mine's canteen. Offices, houses, farms, inns, bridges, roads. The mud flow reached the Paropeba River. Environments, communities, lives, devastated. 259 people perished on that Friday afternoon. 11 remained missing. Natalia Andrade was one of the people who did not return home. For Natalia's sister, Amanda, the disaster at Brumadinho would forever alter her life. It was the worst day of my life. I turned on my TV and I saw those images and I saw all that mud and the firemen working there and all the images of Mariana came back to my mind and I, I just couldn't believe that was happening in my own hometown because when something like that happens you always think it's going to be somewhere so far away and it's not going to happen to you until it does happen to you. It was just the worst feeling I could think of. My sister worked at Bali. She worked in the administrative sector and the time of the, the burst was around lunchtime, so that uh, she was having lunch. She had called my mom uh, 15 minutes before the, the rupture. They had spoken. Everybody was just so scared and afraid. Uh, the first news we got was that my sister had been rescued. So for the next day or so, we were really anxious trying to find out where she was, if she was taken to a hospital. Everybody was going crazy around town trying to find information. Over 300 people were missing at the time. There were lists of names and it, everything was so confusing. We didn't know what to do. We weren't sure of what had happened to my sister. I think two or three days after it happened, we, we still hadn't found her in any of the hospitals or in any of the lists, she hadn't come back and we started to feel like maybe the worst had happened. And someone who was able to escape from the cafeteria came to my family's house and told us that he had actually seen my sister there just before the, the dam collapsed. So we were more sure than that she hadn't survived. And we got the final confirmation uh, when they found her body about a week after. She was the oldest sister and she was a very wise, determined, goal-oriented person. Since she was young, she had fought for the things she wanted in, in her life, for her career. And she worked so hard. She worked long hours. She, she used to bring work home. 
and work even on weekends you know she was really hard working very honest person and she was very charitable she liked to help other people today on the mineral governance podcast we look at the issue of tailings facility failures my name is daniel franks and i'm a professor at the university of queensland sustainable minerals institute i'm working with the united nations environment program to support the implementation of the united nations environment assembly Resolution on Mineral Resource Governance. This is the second in a series of podcasts designed to accompany the regional consultative meetings of the resolution. Today, we hear from some of the key figures behind recent tailings reform efforts, as well as from the people on the ground who live the legacy of our past values. A reminder from our first podcast that we would like to encourage you to make your voice heard as part of the UNEA Mineral Resource Governance consultation process. We have a dedicated web page on the Green Growth Knowledge Platform where you can find out more and get involved. Tailings. It's the ground-up waste rock left over after mineral processing, and it has long been a major environmental and safety challenge for the industry. In 1556, Georgius Agricola wrote a famous treaty on mining. In it he wrote, The strongest argument of the detractors is that the fields are devastated by mining operations. When the ores are washed, the water which has been used poisons the brooks and streams. Each year, the production of minerals, mainly metals, produces 8.5 billion tonnes of tailings waste. That's more than one tonne per person per year. The vast majority of this crushed rock is stored in a dam. There are around 3,250 active tailings dams in the world. The number of active, inactive and closed facilities is estimated at more than 8,500, while some advocates have suggested as many as 18,000 facilities. As the quality of mineral ores decline, more material is being mined for less product. And in the coming five years, mining companies report that they expect the amount of tailings waste under storage to increase by more than 25%. The disaster at Brumadinho shortly followed two other high-profile tailings facility failures, one at the Fundao Tailings Facility in Brazil in 2015, often known as the Mariana or the Samarco Dam Disaster, and the other at Mount Polly Tailings Facility in Canada in 2014. Over the past century, there have been hundreds of others, with a cumulative loss of almost 3,000 lives and the release of more than 270 million cubic metres of waste into the environment. That's more than 100,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools. The human, environmental and financial costs of each tailings facility failure are unique, but they are typically huge. Immediately after the Brumadinho collapse and faced with another disaster, investors were quick to respond. Adam Matthews is the Director for Ethics and Engagement for the Church of England Pensions Board. It was obvious from the moment you started seeing the reports coming in from Brumadinho that something quite horrific had happened. And for us as a fund, just saying, right, this just can't carry on. These disasters are happening on a regularity and they're not being addressed. We had engaged previously after Mariana and thought that changes were being adopted. But quite honestly, we'd engaged the companies. We hadn't actually engaged the problem. And it was a systemic sector-wide problem of tailings and waste that wasn't properly being addressed by the industry. There was good practice, 
but really as an issue it wasn't being properly tackled and so that for us meant that we wanted to look to those partners that we respect and that we know uh, sort of have a similar mind on these things such as the Swedish Council of Ethics and APG in the Netherlands and, and others and we just started talking with each other that right we're going to intervene and we want to see change and so that really started um, a series of interventions the first we did once two-day mourning period had, had concluded in Brazil we made a public call together with with the Swedish Council of Ethics and that really has set off a, a whole process which I think as investors we're engaging in a way we've never engaged before but with a clear determination that this thing can't happen again. John Houchin is the Secretary General of the Council on Ethics for the Swedish National Pension Funds. The Mariana accident was actually a very big thing in Sweden. It was a big issue because it was probably the biggest environmental accident in the Southern Hemisphere ever. And it actually received a lot of media attention in in Swedish media. And uh, we engaged very extensively with with both Vale and BHP, who co-owned the joint venture, Samarco. And we'd been very public on the expectations uh, regarding the follow-up on Mariana from many of the stakeholders that are engaged around the Council on Ethics. The Brumadinho accident was a very big disappointment. This time, investors took a more systematic approach. John and Adam pulled together a group of 112 institutional investors representing 14 trillion US dollars in assets under management to form the Investor Mining and Tailing Safety Initiative. The first task was to get a handle on the problem. Stephen Barry is the Deputy Director for Ethics and Engagement at the Church of England Pensions Board. Initially, we, we convened a series of roundtables for investors, and that was to explore the issues to help us to get our grip on tailings and what tailings mean and how they work and whether indeed they have been treated as an externality in mining. But um, very quickly, we were not reassured and our, our fears that this was a systemic problem that applied across the globe, that there were risks of double standards, that the the amount of tailings that's being produced is increasing, that there seems to be a, a trend of increasing severity of failures. That was all confirmed. And the, the state of the ESG data um, and the investor tools was such that we didn't feel we had a proper handle on, on what was going on with tailings in the world. Quite frankly, I think most investors from those first round tables left in real real concern we didn't know who had a tailings dam we didn't know which company had what kind of tailings dam we didn't feel there was any international standard there's no global record of these things they're supposed to live in perpetuity and there wasn't standardized monitoring or anything and and as investors you sort of sat there and just thought crikey the investor initiative embarked on what would become the most comprehensive survey of tailings facilities ever undertaken we sent a letter, John and I, on behalf of all the in investors in the initiative, and it was directed to the chairs and the CEOs of over 700 mining and oil and gas companies. We, we cast the net broadly. These are only publicly listed ones, so we haven't addressed private companies. These are publicly listed ones, but we thought let's let's start by getting um, an understanding of who has which tailings facility to what kind of standard of operation, etc. And we wanted them within 45 days to put it on their website and verify it. 727 companies were contacted. 
83% of the industry by market capitalization responded, including 45 of the 50 largest mining companies. New data was revealed on 1,743 unique tailings facilities, representing an average of 30% of global mineral commodity production. More than 10% of the facilities were reported to have notable stability concerns at some point in their history. Upstream, hybrid and centerline type facilities showed an even higher percentage of stability issues. There are alternatives to conventional tailings facilities where tailings are dewatered into a more stable form or stored in disused mine pits. These methods pose much lower geotechnical and geochemical risk as well as lower consequence. The disclosures revealed that the use of in-pit storage is on the rise, but dewatered or so-called dry stack tailings have hovered between 4-6% of new facilities since the 1980s. This is largely due to their higher cost and constraints on their ability to handle large mineral production levels. The disclosures starkly laid out the scale of the challenge. I think it confirmed our worst fears that we got when we had the initial fact-finding discussions with the industry. But it also strengthened the discussions that we were having internally within the project and, and the discussions we were having with ICMM that we needed a standard on this. In the days following the Brumadinho disaster, while investors were diving headfirst into the issue, the industry was also coming to grips with the changed landscape. After Mariana, the industry's peak body, the International Council on Mining and Metals, ICMM, commissioned a specialist tailings consultancy firm to report on tailings management guidance across their membership. They also issued a new position statement for their members to follow. After Brumadinho, the CEO council of the ICMM met in Miami to discuss the industry's response. They committed to new technical guidance, promotion of learning and knowledge across the industry, and enhanced research and training. Discussions also began with investors, represented by the Principles on Responsible Investment and the United Nations Environment Program, on the potential of co-convening a global tailings review with the aim to develop a new global standard. Tom Butler, President and CEO of the ICMM, wrote in the Financial Times that Bromadinho is a stark reminder that the industry still has a long way to go in protecting the environment, working with local communities and promoting ethical business practices. The Global Tailings Review was a step to rebuilding that lost public trust. Here's Tom Butler. The whole idea of a multi-stakeholder process is to have different parties at the table and as a result of engaging with those different parties to come up with something which is stronger and which is uh, hopefully going to be accepted by the constituencies of those different parties. As the saying goes, trust arrives on foot and leaves on horseback and we won't we'll rebuild trust in a day. I hope that we'll see the benefit of investing the time and effort in the multi-stakeholder process because, you know, we've had UNEP at the table, we've had PRI at the table as well as ourselves. The United Nations Environment Programme has been actively engaged on the issue since the Mariana disaster. Dr. Ligia Naronya is Director of UNEP's Economy Division. When Samarco failure happened, we had demands from several NGOs to act on this issue. We started with a rapid assessment which called for a zero failure rate objective by regulators, industry and communities, and a UN-led stakeholder forum to facilitate international strengthening of the regulation of storage dams. 
a subsequent meeting at UNEA 3 when this first report was launched, a minister said very coherently, industry sees dam failures as accidents. For us, it is a tragedy. That neatly, in a way, summed up to us the differences in stakeholder perspectives on this issue. Professor Elaine Baker is a director at UNEP Grid Arundel. She was one of the authors of the UNEP Rapid Assessment that was conducted after the Mariana disaster. Now, Rapid Response Assessments are a report series that UNEP does to look at critical issues. And they're generally focused on a broad overview of the problem and providing recommendations for policymakers. So we did the rapid response assessment. It's called Mind-Tailing Storage. Safety is no accident. In doing that, we got together a group of academics from around the world, mining engineers, NGOs, and also representatives from ICMM. And we put together the report. And in some ways, a difficult process, because there was a lot of disagreement amongst the authors about the focus that we should have, and especially on the recommendations. And we were constrained to two recommendations in the final report. One was that the approach to tailing storage must place uh, safety first. The recommendation includes a statement from the Mount Polly expert panel. And the statement reads, safety attributes should be evaluated separately from economic considerations and cost should not be a determining factor. So that was the first recommendation. And then the second recommendation was to establish a UN stakeholder forum to facilitate international strengthening of tailings dam regulation. We also had a number of action items and they were around knowledge, technology, innovation and people. And those action items related to things like developing a global database of mine sites, tailings dams, and also research, compiling and reviewing the existing regulations and encouraging the development of technological solutions. We also had action items on failure prevention, and they were looking at things like expanding mining regulations to include independent monitoring, regularly publishing disaster risk management plans. The interesting thing about those failure prevention action items are that a considerable number of them are included in the new global standard. We also had action items around crisis response, and they were things like establish a global financial assurance system for mine sites and also fund a global insurance scheme. And we looked at that insurance scheme as being something like the insurance schemes they have for oil pipelines in Alaska or the oil tanker insurance scheme the nuclear industry. So we thought there was a model that we could look at for for a tailings dam insurance pool. At the moment, there aren't any products that are available for for mining companies. And so most large mining companies are self-insured for tailings dam disasters. The scene was now set for these ideas to form part of a broader reform initiative. ICMM is a body that was set up to improve sustainability practices and PRI works for more responsible investment. The Church of England Pension Fund and the Swedish Council of Ethics work towards more strategic risk management, but also greater ethical choices. They seemed very important partners for us to take forward this experiment in coming up with an industry standard. This led to an opportunity to co-convene the process that would support an independent global tailings review that would lead to this industry standard to safeguard tailings dams against failures. 
As of now, this is limited to the ICMM companies who have committed to adopting this, but we hope to socialize it further to other companies. Our focus and interest in support of this independent review process has always been on focused thinking, independent process, a consultative process, and a realistic and pragmatic approach to ensuring zero failure objective for the tailing storage facilities in order to protect people in the environment. The co-conveners appointed Professor Bruno Oberle as independent chair of the Global Tellings Review. Bruno brought to the task his previous experience as Swiss Secretary of State for the Environment. I know that this is a very, very important question for many states, for many regions, for many, many communities around the world. And I know that this is also at the same time a very difficult issue to tackle, to transform the extractive activity in a way that guarantees to all stakeholders around, from the shareholders till the community in the extractive side, a fair, a fair situation, a safe uh, type of activity, and uh, a just distribution of responsibilities. It was an honor to be asked. I knew that this would be a very, a very, a very serious and difficult task for me, but I knew that this is one of the tasks you cannot say no uh, when you are asked. The most important characteristic of the process were decided by the co-conveners simply by allying with each other for taking this question. The fact that three co-conveners like UNEP representing the public sector, representing the interest of the environment, representing some of the UN knowledge, PRI representing trillions and trillions of invested money that is uh, seeking for impact and for uh, better investment. And ICMM, that are the responsible firm on the ground. These three points of view, these three, by nature, very different interests, join forces to find the solution was from the beginning shaping the process. The process had to be a multi-stakeholder process. And the consequence was that this multi-stakeholder approach had to accompany all the process. On one side, bringing together the experts that then have worked on the standard, not having only them engineers or only sociologists or only environmentalists, but having all the different knowledge bases represented in the group. Then through the process, after having produced the first draft of the standard, making sure that we, that we engage with reality, that we engage with the world, that we have a consultation phase on the first draft to let that multiplicity of interest coming and confront what we meant at that moment to be a good solution. And of course, till the end of the process, when after the, the, the consultation, the expert had revised the, the, the standard, making sure that the three co-conveners discuss with each other, negotiate their specific issues with each other before finally endorsing standard. After an 18-month process, the Global Industry Tellings Management Standard was agreed to by the co-conveners in late June of 2020. It will be released to the public shortly. 
Tom Butler reflects on the potential of the standard. I don't think we'll ever be able to say that we this tailing standard or any other tailing standard will 100% prevent tailings incidents. What we're trying to do here is to, is to minimise risk, get it down to the absolute lowest possible level. There'll always be human error. There'll always be things that we, we don't get right as human beings. But the aim is to you know, get it down as much as possible. And I think it's done a good job. I, I think it is a step uh, forward and a step change in terms of the content. It, it takes a very integrated approach. Through this integrated approach, takes a look at environmental, socioeconomic and technical considerations in a way that has not been done before and embeds these considerations within an integrated knowledge base, which is to be maintained and, and used in decision-making throughout the life cycle of the tailings facility all the way through to closure. And it contains numerous requirements for independent oversight, raises the bar in terms of transparency, disclosure and governance. Um, and it's also global. So for the first time, we have a global standard. Mm. ICMM is about a third of the industry, 650 sites roughly. For the first time, you're going to have a global way of um, comparing like for like in terms of consequence classification investors, community, governments, all stakeholders will be able to look at these disclosures and understand when someone's talking about extreme risk classification tailings facility in Australia and in Brazil, understand that, that these things are comparable and that the terminology applies around the world. And I think that will help prioritise operations and focus of, of operators and help investors and other financiers make informed decisions, help government make informed decisions, and uh, ultimately drive improved performance. Adam Matthews and John Houchin from the Investor Mining and Tailing Safety Initiative believe the standard is just one step and that all stakeholders can do more to advance the tailings reform agenda. There's a very important role here for investors, banks, insurers to drive the standard. We're very keen that there's an, an independent institute that can be established to sort of really sort of implement it at the technical level. But we're also quite clear that we, we have further interventions to make. We will be looking at how to align our disclosure request of companies to enforce, supporting the standard and equally sort of potentially sort of going further. Additionally, we have made a call that there needs to be a 24-7 uh, monitoring hub that basically can track all the highest risk tailing facilities in an independent um, unit that can utilise technology feeds from those tailing facilities and use satellite data, etc. And that that's something that does need to be established. We can do it for maritime, uh, we can do it for aviation, and those things move and tenant facilities are notionally static objects and ultimately there needs to be some mechanism to remove tailings facilities we know in some countries that process has started there is a legacy to be addressed and we shouldn't pretend otherwise some facilities are not going to be able to meet that standard and therefore we need to have some mechanism to see those removed there we think there's a very important role for governments and we are talking to governments um, about that and we think on the basis of the standard being published that that's the time to be able to sort of really push that discussion with governments ultimately we would like to see technology turbocharged so that you're not producing these great big facilities and that nearly is a, i think a responsibility of industry to do that as quickly as possible and to not just do it in a few companies that are large it needs to be sector-wide shared technology solutions now and there needs to be massive incentive again 
with the standard, I think you really incentivize all that activity because the cost we can imagine of implementing it is going to be considerable. And I think the cost equations on tailings waste is going to be in incentivizing other kinds of solutions becoming much more rapidly sought. We need everyone to engage on this issue, and that includes governments as well. And our hope is that this, this standard and the process that we're running together with UNEP and with the ICMM will energize that process and, and put this topic where it belongs to be, and it needs to be seriously addressed by many, many governments. So let's hope that we get proper energy, proper resources, uh, we get the right specialists. We will need to educate people on this topic, not only in the short term, but in the long term as well. And that we're going to need schools, universities, etc., to focus on this. So it, it's, uh, they have an important role to play. The real test of the standard is the extent to which it drives innovation and challenges the status quo because the list of devastating tallings incidents is just far too long. Our responsibility is to hear the voices of the survivors and to be guided by the example of their strength. Amanda Andrade shares her reactions to the new standard. I could see that effort had been put in place to act and in response to Brumadinho went to Mariana and to make the whole sector look at what happened and hopefully pursue changes everywhere you go in Brumadinho you it's easy to find someone who, who had a huge loss for example i'm a teacher i'm currently teaching in a school i teach nine classes and i have 13 students who became orphans due to valley when you look at people you know it's not the same it's not the same. Even when you go to the supermarket or you go to the bank, you know, doing daily things, it's, it's not the same anymore. As people look differently at you because they know you, you lost someone and you look at them the same way because you know they lost someone. Everybody is, is affected and interconnected in this. It's impossible to forget and to move on. My biggest concern and reason that motivates me to always speak about these painful things is that I, I don't want this to happen ever again to any other family. I think it's so important to highlight the consequences of uh, a failure such as this, to pressure the, the whole sector for changes when it comes to these tailings because they're very dangerous. I see them like bombs that could explode at any second and cause so much damage and so much destruction. I'm not sure if, if this issue is taken care of with the diligence it needs, not just in Valley, but you know, the, all the other companies that also have this, this type of tailing dams. They're so dangerous. So what I really hope for is that there is more security when it comes to them, more pressure for change for the levels to of security to be elevated and the governments have to pay more attention to how these companies are conducting themselves and what has been done wrong so far that needs to be changed. All of these things need to be questioned. The governments really have to pay attention to these things and not allow for destruction, for for human loss, for environmental loss, because these, these are losses that can never be restored you know money you can find other ways to produce it but life you can never bring back 
This brings to a close this episode of the Mineral Governance Podcast. Please join us again and spread the word about the series. A reminder to share your views of mineral resource governance with a short two to three minute video. Post your videos on social media using the hashtag UNEA, hashtag MRG resolution, and send them to us at unea.mrg at ggkp.org. That's U-N-E-A dot M-R-G at ggkp.org. The best submissions will be shared as part of the consultation process of the UNEA resolution. This podcast is dedicated to the 270 people who lost their lives at Brumadinho and the nearly 3,000 who have lost their lives from tailings facility failures over the past century.